Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Roboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go, find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. Thank you so much, Marcy. Grab that mic. Uh, real quick before we pray, what's this? Banana. Ooh, you guys are good. You guys are really good. But you'll see this more than a banana towards the end of our time. Let me, let me pray for us real fast. It's, it's potassium. All right, let me pray. Let's, let's, let's pray. Uh, God, thank you so much for the way that you love us. Thank you so much, Lord, for the way that you transform us. Thank you, Father, for the way that you take us as broken, as people who need healing, and you transform us and heal us, Lord. And you free us to be what you've called us to be. I thank you so much for Mary's story and the way that you have transformed her. Thank you for what, you, what she once was to now what she was at this moment in this passage. Jesus, I pray that as we break down this passage, as we break down the life of Mary, that we would feel your love, not just for her, but for us. Speak to us, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, we just read a story about a woman named Mary. Now, in the Gospels, there are a lot of Marys. But in this one particular story, we run into a woman named Mary, what? What's her last name? Magdalene. Now, Mary Magdalene had a very intense story. This was not somebody who grew up in some, like, cookie-cutter farm, like, living life all nice and easy and, and relaxed, and everybody loved her and everything worked out for her. No. This was a woman that suffered. This is a woman that went through so much in her experience of life. So I think before we start looking at the passage, I want to help you. Did it break? Did it break? Oh my gosh, everybody's, everybody's wondering. Did it break? No? Okay, good. All right. I want to help you understand her story before we look at this one story. Okay? Now, Mary Mag, Mag, Magdalene, my bad. Mary Magdalene, in Luke chapter 7, it gives us an insight into who she was and her story. It helps us understand who this woman truly was before she met Jesus. You see, because here's the incident that takes place in Luke chapter 7. Some of you guys can turn there. Some of you don't have to. In Luke chapter 7, verse 37, it tells us of this time that Mary Magdalene is, goes ahead and walks into a house that Jesus and the other disciples are all at. And all the other disciples, they're all hanging out at this house. And in that house, there's a few Pharisees. And now, for those of you who don't know this, the Pharisees are kind of like the, the religious police officers. They're the guys who keep everybody on check, right? Like, if you don't go to church, they're like knocking your door. Like, doo, 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 doo. Why aren't you at church? Right? Like, they are the hardcore religious guys. 
And they're all hanging out in this house. And Jesus is there too. And all of a sudden, all these guys are all hanging out, eating dinner. And all of a sudden, they hear this. And they're all like, who, who is it? Who's at the door? Right? Peter opens the door. Right? <laughs> and there is Mary standing there, weeping. And Mary then comes into this house. And as she walks in, the Bible tells us that someone yells out, that is a woman of the street. Now, the phrase, a woman of the street, that phrase in itself is one of the most offensive things that you can call a woman at this time. This is right up there with any term that you can use to describe a woman who sleeps around. A woman who has been in many homes. A woman who has no value. She is basically the town woman who is known to be a woman of the street. And there she is standing at the door. And what does she say then? She says, can I see Jesus? Can I see him? And then she gets brought into this house. And you could already imagine what everybody's thinking, right? Oh, what is she doing here, right? Like, that girl needs to go somewhere else. Don't come in this house, right? There's all this, like, already built up anger towards who she is as a person. And then Luca tells us that the first thing she does is she spots Jesus out. She says, oh, he's there. And she comes in front of Jesus. And then she gets on the knee in front of Jesus. And then from her, from her purse, she pulls out this bottle of perfume. And these oils and all this beautiful stuff that in their time would cost up to $25,000. And she pulls this thing open. And she's on her knees before Jesus like this. And she grabs it. And then she breaks the top of it. <gasps> As a symbol of, I'm never going to use this again, Jesus. I am using all of my perfume, all of my oil, whatever I have, I'm going to give it to you and worship you with it. And she begins to pour it and clean the feet of Jesus. And then, not only does she clean his feet with these oils, which must have been pretty dope, imagine that, right? Like super comfortable. But then she starts weeping over his feet. And her tears start mixing in with the oil on, on Jesus' feet. And then she grabs her hair, and as a sign of submission, and as a sign of being willing to face full disgrace, she grabs her hair and begins to wipe the oil off the feet of Jesus. And as she is doing such an incredible sign of worship, such an incredible sign of respect, such an incredible moment, you know what people in the room are saying? What's this woman doing here? What's this woman of the street here for? And they start saying this, man, if Jesus really was God, he would know who this woman really is. If Jesus was really who he says he was, he would understand. This girl's trifling, right? This girl's been all over. This girl's wrong. She's wretched. That's Mary. That's who we just read about. Now, not only did Mary, not only was she considered a woman of the street, but then on top of that, in Luke chapter 8, we find out that Mary Magdalene, Magdalene, I keep messing up with it, that Mary Magdalene, she was demon possessed. What? Can it get worse for her? <laughs> like, man, like not only does she have this reputation, not only does she have this identity, not only does she have all these problems, but now on top of that, oh my gosh, why is angel so loud? But not only on top of that, she is possessed by seven demons. 
whoa. Think of that for a second. The craziness that has to be going on in this woman's life. And then she encounters Christ, and Christ says, demon's out. See, because Christ looked at her. He didn't look at her like everyone else did. He didn't see her for her mistakes. He didn't see her for her shortcomings. He saw her as God's creation. He saw her with value. He saw her with a better purpose than what she was currently living. Now, can I ask you guys this question? Is that beautiful? That is incredible that Jesus will look at this woman. And in this culture, women were very low in the society. Women were not allowed to learn how to read. They were not allowed to go to school. They weren't even allowed to attend church. Women were only viewed to clean the home, to stay quiet, and to have babies. That's it. And Jesus comes on the scene. And he is standing, not in just in front of a woman, but the lowest of all women in their culture. The woman that everybody looks down upon. The woman that everybody hated. The woman that everybody thought, that girl's going to try to steal my man. And he says, you're saved. I love you. I want to teach you. I want to give you a new life. I want to transform you. Ladies and gentlemen, that is beautiful. That is remarkable, and that is Jesus. So now let's flip back to Luke chapter 20. Now that we have a better understanding of Mary's story, let's look back at Luke chapter 20. See, because here Mary is. You know what? Let me give you a better an example of this. So we talked about, what, what is this earlier? We talked about this is an apple, right? Yeah, great job. Now, one of the middle school boys, it's a, it's a hamburger. <laughs> right? So, this is a banana, obviously. Now, here's the cool thing about this banana. See, the banana right now, it's got some black spots on it, right? It's, not, it's, not, it's, a, it's a little yellow, right? It's, it's not too bad. But, if we went ahead and had this banana and we fast forward five days from now, what would this banana look like? You black and nasty, and the one middle school boy in the back thought he was funny. Said you, that's <laughs> so funny, right? So, which I would never look like a banana that's, that's spoiled, but maybe I would. Wouldn't that be terrible if I came in and it was like, oh my gosh, Andrew looks just like the banana that's spoiled? No, it was right. All right, now we. <laughs> I was trying to help you, man. All right, so. We fast forward five days. What would this banana look like? Gross, nasty. It might even be like a white, moldy spot on it. It might just look just like we just crack it open a little bit and we can squeeze it out like, like toothpaste. Ugh, nasty, right? Now, the most nasty thing that that kind of banana looked like. Let me help you understand what my wife taught me about four years ago. You see, my wife is from the Midwest. And people who live in the Midwest, American people, they do the most crazy stuff with desserts. Like they have like peach cobbler, they have like apple pie, they have a pie for every fruit. Oh my gosh, like all we have is guayaba pie. That's all, that's all Cubans have. I know. But these people have all kinds of desserts. And they are so savage with their desserts that they take a nasty, crinkly, black, gross, like squeeze out banana. And then you know what they do with that? They turn it into banana bread. They take the most nasty thing. The most unuseful thing that if you see it, like, I ain't going to eat that. And they take it and they go like this. Oh, 
but I got plans for this thing. And they put it in this bread and bake it and turn it into banana bread. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's you. Oh, okay. You are that gross banana. You are that rotten banana. And God in his goodness grabs you with no purpose, with no value, only good enough to be thrown away. And he takes you and says, I have a better plan for you. I am going to insert you into this bread and I'm going to give you such a higher value that when you walk in the room, everybody's like, oh, yeah. Angel banana bread's here, boy. <laughs> That's what God did with Mary. Mary was that rotten banana with no value, with no purpose, the low of the low, only good to be thrown away. And Jesus said, no, I see you as something greater. I'm going to give you a greater purpose. I'm going to give you a greater value. I'm going to transform you. That's a big deal. And that is beautiful. Now, how does that connect to our passage that we're looking at today? Because Mary goes from being that rotten banana to being somebody with an incredible mission. To being somebody with an incredible message. See, she comes to this tomb. Everybody thought Jesus had died. Everybody thought everything was over, that they had spent three years following a man who was a liar. They watched him go onto a cross. They watched him have his hands nailed into the cross. They watched him having parts of his beard ripped out by the enemy. They watched people spitting on him, and Jesus looked back at the people who were hating him and murdering him and abusing him and torturing him. And Jesus' words were, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. See, in the eyes of the apostles, in the eyes of those who all watched the cross, it was a failed mission because Jesus died. But three days later, Mary, she wakes up one morning. She's like, man, this can't be it. And she goes ahead and grabs some oils. Now we remember, we learned that what she did with the oils last time. She grabbed the oils and she washed Jesus' feet with them. And to relive that experience, Mary wakes up the morning of the resurrection. Gathers her oils together, her ointments and all that stuff together and says, I'm going to go and wash my dead Jesus. I'm going to go put this on him like that one time I did that. And she makes her way to the tomb. And when she comes to the tomb, you can already know that as she's walking through the streets, everybody's looking at her in a negative light. Everyone's probably asking, where'd she get that from? Did she steal that? Everyone's probably thinking she's making her way all the way to the tomb. And she gets to the tomb where Jesus is. And what does this passage tell us that she sees? Who wants to raise their hand and tell me what this passage tells us she sees? Yes. What? She sees the stone rolled over. And then she sees what? She sees nothing inside of it. But she's two angels in there. And these two angels are right now, at this moment, they look at her. Can you imagine how creepy that would be? <gasps> no. <laughs> and they look at her and said, woman, why are you weeping? Why are you crying? And as she's there broken, weeping over the fact that her savior, her friend, her God was murdered. They're there to ask the question, why are you crying? I say, hey, Jesus isn't here no more. Go on. And as she turns around, she runs into a man that she didn't really recognize at first. 
And then comes to find out, who is it? It's Jesus. Oh my gosh. And there she is, standing in front of Jesus. The one who didn't reject her. The one who loved her. The one who healed her. The one who rescued her. The one who didn't seek to use her like all the other men in her life. The one who, when he looked at her, he saw love. He saw grace. He saw, I'm going to transform you. He saw a purpose. He saw a value. She looks at the one that loved her. It's just a ping pong ball. It's going to be okay. Oh my gosh. What's going on? It's the building falling down. He's yelling too much. Now, and there she is in front of him. And what's the first thing she does? Look at the passage. What's the first thing she does when she sees and realizes him? What? No, look at it. Starts with a C. What? No. She clings to him. Right? She goes, oh my gosh. And she clings to him. It's crazy. And to think of it. And you can imagine she's already trying to relive that moment and trying to open up the oils and ointments. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Just chill. I got something better. Get up, Mary, and go. Go tell my who? Go tell my brothers. Go tell the apostles that I have risen from the grave. Run and take on the message that we are victorious. Run and take on the message that I have not died, that I have risen from the grave. Run and preach the gospel that Jesus has risen from the grave, that Jesus is victorious, that Jesus is God. Run and go do this, Mary. Now you can imagine Mary. She runs, right? Can you imagine the first few steps, the freak out? Now, I'll close with this. This, her running to go proclaim a message, this is called proclaiming the gospel. This is her running and going and taking the message to others. Let me ask you guys this question. This is a question you're going to wrestle with in your groups. Are you living like Mary? Are you living in a matter that is going out to proclaim the good news of Jesus? Is this something that you have just, oh, God, God has touched my life. God has changed my life. God is doing the work in my life. And now leave it right here. I saw Jesus. I experienced Jesus. And that was cool. And I'll leave it right here. How selfish and how despicable would it have been if Mary would have had that moment with Jesus and then when she's told, go tell others, she says, not nah, Jesus, I'm stay right here because it's comfortable right here. You see, this in itself, Mary going out and telling others, let me help you understand why this was scary for Mary. Mary, as a woman in this culture, women were not allowed to speak to crowds of men. Women were not allowed to voice opinions to men, let alone a testimony. Women weren't allowed to come into court. Women weren't allowed to serve as witnesses. Women were not allowed to speak to rooms full of men. It was against culture. Women would be put in jail for it. Women would be stoned for it. And now Jesus is saying, go and talk to my brothers. Brother means the men. Go and speak to the men and tell them what you have seen here. Mary runs off and goes, and why? Because Jesus said so. Jesus is telling you.
Look for opportunities to tell your friends about Jesus. Go out and live sent. You, you have been reclaimed. You have been transformed. You have been served. You have been helped. Now go do it with others. Jesus calls you in and then calls you to go live sent. And that's the beauty of the gospel, and that's what we see here with Mary. My question to some of you guys is, why aren't you living sent? What's your excuse? Is it that you feel like you don't know enough? Does it feel like you, you don't, I don't have all the answers? What is your excuse? There are some of you in this room, you're not living sent because you have never been changed. You still sit there like a, like a rotten banana. You still sit there with, with little value, little purpose, no transformed, nothing, just useless. And Jesus is looking to go ahead and come into your life and transform you. And some of you need to turn your life over to Jesus. You need to ask Jesus to be your Savior. You need to ask him to be your Lord, and you need to ask him to help you follow him and forgive you of your sins so that he can take you and give you a deeper value. And here's my challenge to those of you who fall into that category. We're going to break up in our tribe groups in just a minute. And in your tribe groups, I would, love, I would love for you to look at your tribe leader at one point and say, hey, I don't follow Jesus. I want to start following Jesus today. And then your tribe leader will sit with you and talk and answer questions and pray with you and help you start following Jesus today. Don't wait any longer. Jesus has so much more for you than what you have right now in your life. Let me pray for us. I'll break into the tribes.